MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, October 5th, 2021. Today, how did the Capitol rioters know exactly where the unfortified windows were on January 6th? Wayne LaPierre has been reelected as the leader of the NRA and Tish James isn't having it. Milwaukee Senator Russia Ron Johnson sucks at paying his taxes. A Coke-backed group fuels opposition to school mask mandates. And Ted Cruz is holding up several Biden nominations. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hey, everybody. We're going to change things up a bit today because today uh, I, I read a bit of news from the L.A. Times, I believe to be hair on fire news about the insurrection. And I'm not seeing coverage of it uh, on the mainstream media. But before I go into that, let me give you some background information. On Tuesday, February 23rd of this year, about eight months ago, the then former House Sergeant at Arms, who had resigned to Nancy Pelosi after massive security failures during the insurrection, testified before two Senate committees investigating the security preparations and response to the attack on the Capitol. During that testimony, Irving, Paul Irving, the House Sergeant at Arms, denied that authorities had rejected having National Guard troops working at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th alongside Capitol Police because of optics, saying that the intelligence did not warrant them. He was one of the first people to assert two things. There were security failures that were due to FBI intelligence failures and that he didn't want to send out the National Guard because of the backlash they got when they sent them out during the Black Lives Matter protests months earlier. Two days before Congress was set to formalize President Biden's victory, this was on January 4th, Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund was growing increasingly worried about the size of the pro-Trump crowds expecting to stream into Washington in protest. To be on the safe side, Sund asked the House and Senate security officials for permission to request the D.C. National Guard be placed on standby in case he needed quick backup. But Sund said that they turned him down on January 4th. In his first interview since pro-Trump rioters stormed the Capitol, Sund, who had since resigned, said his supervisors were reluctant to take formal steps to put the guard on call, even as police intelligence suggested the crowd that Trump had invited to D.C. to protest his defeat would probably be much larger than earlier demonstrations. Sund said that the House Sergeant-at-Arms, Paul Irving, said he wasn't comfortable with the optics of formally declaring an emergency ahead of the demonstration. Irving could not be reached for comment, and a cell phone number listed in his name was not accepting messages after his testimony. Messages left at a residence he owns in Nevada were not immediately returned, and there was no answer Sunday evening at a Watergate apartment listed in his name. Watergate. Hmm. A neighbor said he'd recently moved out. It was the first of six times Sun's request for help was rejected or delayed. Two days later, on Wednesday afternoon, his forces already in the midst of crisis Sund said he pleaded for help five more times at a scene far more dire than he had ever imagined that was unfolding on the Capitol grounds. An army of about 8,000 pro-Trump demonstrators streamed down Pennsylvania Avenue after hearing Trump speak at the Ellipse. Sund's outer perimeter on the Capitol's west side was breached within 15 minutes. With 1,400 Capitol police officers on duty, his forces were quickly and easily overrun. Quote, 
If we would have had the National Guard, we could have held them at bay longer until more officers from our partner agencies could arrive. Still, he decided to call Irving and Stenger, that's the House and Senate Sergeant-in-Arms, respectively, called them both to ask for permission to request National Guard be put on emergency standby. Irving, again, didn't like the idea, and according to Sund, Irving said it would look bad because it would communicate that they presumed an emergency that he would refuse to declare two days earlier. He said he'd have to ask House leaders. On the way home that evening, Sund did as Stenger suggested to him, calling Major General William Walker, the head of the thousand-member D.C. National Guard, to tell him he might call on him for help. If we can get you leaning forward, Sund said, how long do you think it would take to get us assistance? This is before the insurrection. Walker said he thought he could submit 125 personnel fairly quickly. Over the weekend, Sund had also conferred with D.C. Police Chief Robert J. Conti III, who had offered to lend a hand if trouble arose. On Tuesday, Sun said he briefed Irving and Stenger, who said that backup seemed sufficient. And using video footage from the Capitol and radio transmissions from his incident commanders, Sun could see his officers trying to hold the line, but the rioters immediately yanked the barricade fence out of the way and threw it at his officers' heads. Quote, I realized at 1 p.m. things weren't going well. I'm watching my people get slammed. Sund immediately called Conti, who sent 100 officers to the scene, with some arriving within 10 minutes. But at 1.09, Sund testified he called Irving and Stenger, telling them it was time to call in the guard. He wanted an emergency declaration. Both men said they would run it up the chain and get back to him. That was at 1.09 p.m. Minutes later, Aides to top congressional leaders were called to Stenger's office for an update on the situation and were infuriated to learn that the sergeants at arms had not yet called in the National Guard or any other reinforcements, as was their responsibility to do so, without needing to seek approval from the leaders. Quote, what do you mean there's no National Guard, that there's no reinforcements coming? Why haven't you ordered them? Why aren't they already here? Sund said he called Irving twice more, and Stenger once more to check on their progress. At 1.50, nine minutes before the Capitol was breached, Sun said he was losing patience. He called Walker, General Walker, to tell him to get ready to bring the guard. Irving called back with a formal approval at 2.10 p.m., more than an hour after the first request that day, and two days after rejecting Sun's recommendation, they declare the event an emergency. By 2.10, when Irving finally gave approval, Plainclothes Capitol Police agents were barricading the door to the Speaker's lobby just off the House chamber to keep seditionists from charging in. At the time of his testimony, I tweeted a series of observations. First, I said, according to testimony today, Sund made an emergency declaration to the Board of Capitol Police, which would allow deployment of the Guard. That request was denied because Irving and Stenger would have also had to agree to the request, and they did not. That is not an intelligence failure. I also said, Quote, I have a feeling that Sund is telling the truth more often than not, and Irving is not to be trusted. Just an opinion based on the testimony so far. Then that same day, within hours, we received breaking news that the acting Capitol Police Chief, Yogananda Pittman, brought phone receipts proving that Sund did make the calls to Irving, starting at 109, then called Irving three more times before 145. She also showed proof that her predecessor called Irving as early as 1258. So now we have Irving being called at least five times in the course of two hours and two minutes before he finally approved National Guard backup. Irving had lied to Congress, and we had the call records to prove it. I then tweeted that Sergeant-at-Arms Irving needed to answer whether he met with Trump, Chris Miller, Lieutenant General Piat, Kosh Patel, 
Cohen Watnick, Charles Flynn, Mike Flynn, Roger Stone, or any other insurrection leaders in the weeks leading up to the insurrection. And he needed to do that under oath. A week later, March 3rd, I tweeted, I am now totally convinced that Trump installed Miller at the Pentagon, at least in part, to delay response to the insurrection by issuing his memo and by instructing General Flynn and General Piot not to deploy because of optics. Someone also told Paul Irving the same thing. And then I tweeted, who else thinks Donald, Christopher Miller, Lieutenant General Piot, the Flynn brothers, and the House Sergeant at Arms Irving were complicit in the delay of the National Guard troop deployment during the attack on the Capitol? And I tweeted, quote, the Senate needs to recall Irving and ask him to clear up his bullshit testimony that he didn't receive a call from Sund at 109. And he needs to be asked why he waited over 30 minutes to ask for approval from Pelosi and two hours to actually approve National Guard deployment. Acting USCP Chief Pittman has the phone records confirming the calls. With all that in mind, I have some bombshell updates on Irving for you right after this break. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and the Daily Beans today is sponsored by Monk Pack, which makes delicious snacks that have virtually no sugar. Healthy snacks that taste good and fill you up are very hard to find. Uh, And let's face it, healthy snacks have a bad reputation, but Monk Pack to the rescue. Their keto nut and seed bars contain less than one gram of sugar, two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 150 calories, and they're delicious. It's a great snack for anyone trying to eat healthier and cut back on carbs and sugar without sacrificing taste. And it's a perfect balance of sweet and salty. They have crunchy nuts and soft, chewy texture. It's so delicious. And they come in some amazing flavors, caramel sea salt, peanut butter dark chocolate, and my favorite, sea salt dark chocolate. They're keto-friendly, gluten-free, plant-based, and non-GMO. They have no soy, trans fats, sugar, alcohols, or artificial colors. And with a subscription, I am always surrounded by snacks, and I get 10% off all my orders, and they're shipped automatically. And we have a special deal for you. You can get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting MonkPack.com and entering our code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at checkout. Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. So there's no risk here. To get started, just go to MonkPack.com. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com. Select any product and then enter code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. MonkPack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back. Now that you have the testimony from Paul Irving, Sund, Stenger, Pittman, and others fresh in your mind from last February, I want to drop this reporting on you today from the LA Times. Four major access points that January 6 rioters used to break into and overtake the Capitol had something unusual in common. They were among a dozen or so ground floor windows and glass pane doors that had not been recently reinforced. The majority of the Capitol's 658 windows were quietly upgraded between 2017 and 2019 in a renovation of the historic building. The original wooden frames and glass were covered with a second metal frame containing bomb-resistant glass. But planners skipped about 12 of the ground floor windows, including some located in doors, because they were deemed to be low risk in the event of an implosion, largely due to their discreet or shielded location, or because the building actually couldn't structurally handle the load of a heavier frame. And whether by sheer luck, real-time trial and error, or advanced knowledge by rioters, Several of those vulnerable windows and two glass pane doors became easy entry points for hundreds of Trump supporters who overran and ransacked the building on January 6th. Video shows some of the first rioters break through the police line running past 15 reinforced windows. They ran past the first 15 windows. They made a beeline 
for a recessed area of the Senate side of the building where two unreinforced windows and two doors with unreinforced glass were all that stood between them and the hallways leading to lawmakers inside who had not yet begun to evacuate. One of the rioters first cracked the glass of one window. That's from a video we've seen posted on social media. A stolen police riot shield and a wooden pole finished the job. And in seconds, the unreinforced glass gave way in a single sheet. Rioters poured through the window. Similar methods were used to break glass in at least three other locations. Quote, I couldn't believe that they were able to breach those points as easily as they did. That's Scott Lilly, former House Appropriations Committee Democratic Staff Director. It certainly shows that all of the money and inconvenience we've instituted on those buildings was maybe not particularly well spent. Though the bomb-resistant windows were never designed to keep out rioters, every reinforced window that was attacked by insurrectionists after the first breach appears to have remained intact, even if damaged. The access points that the rioters passed through have so far been repaired with single-pane glass. In 2017, the Capitol complex underwent another security renovation that included motion sensors in the Capitol lawn and the bomb-resistant glass. Those upgrades were part of a well-publicized large-scale renovation to the exterior stone and ironwork of the Capitol and surrounding office buildings, but the security improvements were not widely disclosed. Most of the Capitol was covered in scaffolding during the multi-year project, and much of the work took place at night. Funding to reinforce the windows came from a mix of classified and unclassified appropriations which helped mask the scale and cost of the project. The bomb-resistant frames, which sit about four inches outside the existing single-pane window frames, were carefully designed to look like the originals so they would not be immediately noticeable to the general public. That's according to a former Capitol Architect staff member who was employed when the decision was made, but did not want to be identified, speaking about the security matter. So this wasn't widely publicized, and it's, it's hard to tell the difference visually between reinforced windows and unreinforced windows. You can't tell by looking at it. The decisions about which windows and doors would not be reinforced were based on calculations of how many people might be killed or injured by imploding glass in the event of a bomb outside. And when asked about the decision not to reinforce certain windows, a spokesperson for the architect of the Capitol said upgrades are made in consultation with security officials and details are not released to ensure the physical security of the campus is not compromised. They didn't release that information, which which windows had been fortified. Most of the unreinforced glass broken on January 6th was on the west front of the Capitol, where much of the hours-long battle between officers and rioters took place. Some of the windows and doors they attacked were just yards from where the presidential inauguration took place. Separating that side of the building from the nearest road is a sprawling lawn and wide terrace that has been largely off-limits to the public for years, which may explain why glass there was not upgraded. The area is normally patrolled by Capitol Police carrying assault-style weapons. They weren't there that day. The four unreinforced windows and doors that were the first points of entry on January 6th are all in a recessed alcove shielded by exterior walls on three sides. They were not the first windows nor the easiest to reach for rioters storming the Capitol steps. Attackers had to run more than 100 feet across a courtyard to reach the covered outdoor entryway where two unreinforced windows and one of the doors were. The east front, considered the main entrance to the building, is more accessible to the public. Protesters and tourists often gather at its wide plaza. It's more heavily fortified, with nearly every window on the first and second floors reinforced. Two of the three breaches on that side of the building occurred through doors. One second-floor window was also smashed in. The final call on which windows to upgrade fell to a three-member Capitol Police Board. Only one person from that original three-member board was still on their job January 6th. That's House Sergeant-at-Arms Paul Irving. That's the same Paul Irving that lied to Congress about receiving calls requesting National Guard backup. It is the same Paul Irving that took over two hours and at least five phone calls to approve National Guard deployment. 
the same Paul Irving that blamed the security issues on FBI intelligence failures, which has since been mostly debunked, the same Paul Irving that was practically begged for for an emergency declaration on January 4th and refused. He knew which windows were vulnerable. And so it appears, did the insurrectionists who ran past 15 reinforced windows into an alcove surrounded by three walls directly to the unreinforced ones and broke through them with a stolen police shield and a wooden pole. I'd also like to point out that Empty Wheel, emptywheel.net, Marcy Wheeler on her blog, she has information on a Proud Boys conspiracy, including Biggs, Joe Biggs, who coordinated attacks from the vulnerable West Front and unreinforced entry points on the more easily accessible East Front. A House Select Committee investigating January 6th has been tasked with probing what led to the riot and how it occurred, including how rioters so easily penetrated the building. And a committee spokesperson said that investigators, quote, need to understand everything on that day, but did not comment on whether the unreinforced windows were a part of the inquiry. We'll be right back with more headlines with Dana Goldberg. Stay with us. Everybody, it's AG, and this portion of The Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp, a premier provider of online therapy. BetterHelp counselors can provide professional support to help you with whatever challenges life throws at you. Having dealt with PTSD myself, I know how important it is to seek assistance rather than try to deal with it alone. And I know how hard it is to ask for help, and that's why I love BetterHelp. They make it convenient and easy. Message your counselor at any time from anywhere in the world. You get timely responses, and you can schedule weekly phone or video meetings. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. And you can change your counselor easily and freely. Visit BetterHelp's website and read some testimonials like this one by user BR who says, So empathetic, yet at the same time, she gets to the heart of issues. Tammy is the best therapist I've ever had. She sends great worksheets to help me through issues. Uh, Speaking with her is so easy, it's like talking to a friend. I've already recommended her to two other friends because she's so amazing. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You can join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners, you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. And today's show is also sponsored by All Form, a company that makes beautiful furniture according to your specifications. The beautiful premium furniture All Form creates is tailored to exactly meet your needs and is delivered to your doorstep free of charge. With Allform, you can customize your own luxury furniture using premium materials, but at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. You can choose the color, size, shape, fabric, and configuration. And by the way, that fabric, beautiful colors. It's spill, stain, and scratch resistant, so it's great for pod pets. I chose a three-seater sofa in whiskey-colored leather with a walnut-leg finish and a chaise lounge. It is comfy, roomy, and it looks amazing. Allform delivers fast. It takes just three to seven days to arrive in the mail, and you can assemble it yourself in a few minutes with no tools needed. They have beautiful armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight seat sectionals. So you can always start small and buy more seats later if you want. Best of all, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months. And if you don't love it, you will. But if you don't, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. So there's no hassle and no risk. They also have a forever warranty, literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash daily beans. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners at allform.com slash daily beans. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, hey, Dana. Welcome. Welcome to the show. That was a lot. Like you're you're always on top of this stuff. I feel like uh, sometimes ahead of people that should know what the fuck there's going on in this specific subject. Like it's pretty incredible. I'm glad that you're bringing all of this to light because it's a big deal. Well, thank you. Because I'm reading this article from the LA Times, and about the halfway through the article, they're like, "Oh, there were three people who knew which windows specifically were replaced." And then they just sort of casually mentioned it's the, you know, the Senate and House sergeants at arms and, and uh, 
the uh, capital architect. And I'm like, and you don't care to bring up the fact that Irving and, you know, the, it, and Stenger were the were the sergeants at arms who both resigned for failures. They continually blamed the FBI for lack of intelligence, even though, you know, two days before they sunned asked, can you please, guys, please declare this an emergency? No. And then they ignored 10 calls, took two and a half, oh, no, two hours and a couple of minutes to finally approve. Right. And then lied to Congress about about receiving those calls. And then, of course, Yogananda Pittman shows up and she's like, bitch, I got the call logs. And everybody was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's not even like dots being connected. It's just one big fucking dot. Like, it's right there. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, why is nobody reporting on this? So I, I wanted to get that out there. And I I'm sorry that I that I you know, I'm not sorry that I pulled a, a Matto and said, back, let's start back in February. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's you know it's it's a proven way of going about it i mean it clearly works she's on the true. air she's one of the most watched you know true new true. shows in the in the universe so <laughs> clearly she's doing something right so if you take a little spot from her playbook don't don't apologize for that yeah i was like i'm gonna pull a matto today i gotta go through this and i gotta give the background on it first and so there we have it and we'll see what happens with this but you know no comment from the january 6th select committee as to whether or not they're Looking at that specifically, I certainly hope they are. And I hope if I hope so, too. if they aren't, I hope the Department of Justice is. <laughs> anyway, we have other news today, uh, including, by the way, giant Facebook outage. Oh, my God. Six hours. Everyone was freaking out. <laughs> I don't necessarily think that it has anything to do with the fact that uh, Hauger, the Facebook whistleblower, was actually Correct. on 60 Minutes last night. Yeah. But like, who knows, really? And, and you know, this Wednesday on Clean Up on All 45, I'll be going over what she, you know, her interview on 60 Minutes a little more in depth. But yeah, that outage was like, what? And it was just very specific to Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp. It was very interesting. Yeah. And uh, I don't even know what to make of it yet. I don't even really have any beans right now, except it seems like, and Asha Rangapa tweeted out, this seems like one of those Trump kind of distractions, like maybe something big is happening. This Capitol riot insurrectionists knowing where the where the uh, unreinforced windows were and, you know, these the fact that the Proud Boys made a beeline for them, including Biggs, as, you know, empty wheel Marcy Wheeler noted. That's interesting, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're about to be indicted uh, in New York. Who knows? I mean, let's just hope it is something big and that we can enjoy it. That's for sure. Let's hope it's on our side and not theirs. <laughs> yeah, for real. All right. Let's get to those other headlines I was mentioning. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Speaking of the New York Attorney General and what's going on in New York, Letitia James tore into the NRA on Sunday after it reelected its longtime leader, Wayne LaPierre, citing ongoing financial abuse. She was saying this is this is awful. She's got that lawsuit against the NRA. The NRA announced Saturday Wayne LaPierre was reelected as executive vice president and CEO. The attorney general's office has sued and is continuing to sue to dissolve the NRA for misusing charitable funds. Quote, the NRA's decision to reelect Wayne LaPierre and other top leaders yesterday, despite the detailed evidence of repeated fraud and self-dealing we've laid out in our lawsuit and during the bankruptcy trial, underscores that board governance is broken and that the rot runs deep in the NRA. That's what she said. Quote, for years, Mr. LaPierre and his lieutenants used the NRA and its donors as a breeding ground for personal gain and to live a lavish lifestyle, which is why they must be removed, she added. Our fight for transparency and accountability will continue because no one is above the law. LaPierre, who has helmed the group for 30 friggin' years. Goodness. Yeah, I know. Like, what the 
fuck? I was like just getting out of high school when he took over the NRA. He previously rebuffed Tish James's lawsuit saying she wants to close our doors. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, (laughs) I do, too, if it matters. Yeah, samesies. After a judge in May dismissed their petition to file for bankruptcy in Texas, allowing the New York attorney general suit to go forward, LaPierre sent an email to the group's approximately five million members assuring them that it remains strong and secure. Lies. Following his re-election, LaPierre said in a statement, the NRA is standing tall in the face of unprecedented attacks on our association and constitutional freedoms. Now, you do not have the constitutional freedom to take donor money and buy boats. Nope. James' office has alleged the organization violated New York laws governing nonprofits by routinely going around the organization's internal controls to take part in spending that was inappropriate, wasteful, and shitty. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> that is not a quote, everyone. <laughs> The ongoing lawsuit alleges NRA leadership used millions from their reserves to fund lavish trips for private jets, meals and other personal expenses. And the money was diverted to benefit NRA insiders and favored vendors. It also claims that LaPierre handpicked associates to facilitate his misuse of charitable assets and that the NRA board did not follow an appropriate process to determine reasonable compensation for their executives, including Wayne. So that's what's happening with the NRA. And she she successfully dissolved the Trump Foundation. So perhaps she'll be able to do it here as well. I would love to see it. And a Russian asset, Ron Johnson, Senator Ron Johnson, has pushed back in any suggestion that wealthy individuals such as himself should be paying more in income taxes. He said, quote, people should be paying their fair share. Johnson said recently on a radio show and continued to say, but when you have the top 1% of taxpayers paying 40% of income tax, I mean, at some point in time, you got to go, well, that's got to be pretty close to their fair share, huh? <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's not how Dick. the tax system works, Ron Johnson. <laughs> yeah, good question. Here's a better one for you all, though. How did a millionaire, a multimillionaire like Johnson, who makes $147,000 a year as a U.S. senator, pay only a couple of thousand dollars in state income taxes just a few years back? Really good question. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Now, to be exact, state records show Johnson, an Oshkosh Republican, <laughs> paid Wisconsin a total of $2,105 in state income taxes for 2017. I know a lot of you are thinking, wow, that is not as much as I pay. You'd yeah. be correct. Now, for context, a married Wisconsin couple who jointly reported a taxable income of $40,000, that is, their adjusted gross income Minus all deductions and credits would have been a 2017 state income tax bill of $2,107. That's $2 more than what Johnson paid. And that was at $40,000 together. For a couple. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The state had a graduated tax rate of 4%, and that went up to 7.65 in 2017. Now, consider this. In his federal financial filings, Johnson reported personal income ranging from $276,412 to $2.2 million in 2017. That's quite the range, everyone. Now, that's on top of his Senate salary. So that means he had a minimum income of $450,000 in the same year that he paid $2,105 in state income taxes. And this, Ron Johnson, yeah, Ron Johnson, his average paying, his average paid a little more than $60,000 a year in state income taxes to Wisconsin over the past decade. That's 30 times what he paid in 2017. That's interesting math, AG. So why the big tax break four years ago? Good question. A special one-year deduction? Maybe? Business losses? I don't know. Large charitable contributions? Or is it possible a tax break 
as a result of the former guy on his 2017 tax bill? That one. I bet it's that one. I bet you're right. Johnson's staff isn't saying. Interesting. Mm. Shocking. Asked if the second-term senator would release his federal tax returns to provide some further context, Ambrosini said, no, the senator will not be providing media with his tax returns. That's what she said as well. (laughs) Shocking again. Oh, fuckers. Oh, it's really, it's, it gets me. It gets me angry. Yeah, samesies. Here's another story from the Washington Post. Quote, the letter sounds passionate and personal. It is motivated, the author explains, by a desire to, quote, speak up for what is best for my kids. And it fervently conveys the author's feelings to school board leaders. Quote, I do not believe little kids should be forced to wear masks. I urge you to adopt a policy that allows parental choice on this matter for the upcoming school year. But this heartfelt appeal is not the product of a grassroots groundswell. Rather, it's a template drafted and circulated this week within a conservative network built on the scaffolding of the Koch fortune and the largesse of other GOP megadonors. That makes the document, which was obtained by The Washington Post, the latest salvo in an inflamed debate over mask requirements in schools, which has become the epicenter of partisan battles over everything from gender identity to critical race theory. The political melee engulfing educators has complicated efforts to reopen schools safely during the new wave of the virus, Delta. The document offers a rare glimpse into the inner workings of a well-financed conservative campaign to undermine regulations that health authorities say are necessary to contain the virus. The frustration of many parents who want a greater say is deeply felt, school superintendents say, but their anger is also being fueled by organized activists whose influence is ordinarily veiled. The letter was made available Tuesday to paying members of the Independent Women's Network, a project of the Independent Women's Forum and the Independent Women's Voice (laughs) that markets itself as a members-only platform that is free from censorship and cancellation. Both are nonprofits, once touted by the board chairman and CEO Heather Higgins as part of a unique tool in the Republican conservative arsenal because, quote, being branded as neutral but actually having the people who know know that you're actually conservative puts us in a unique position. What? <laughs> Higgins is the heiress of the Vicks VapoRub fortune. Hmm. So she, she made her money off raves in the 90s. She did not respond to requests for comment. Carrie Lucas, president of the Independent Women's Forum, said in an interview that the letter was originally authored by the group's policy director and sent to her child's Denver preschool. The policy director did not consult experts for the letter, Lucas said, because she wrote it as a mom. Mm -hmm. She didn't call anyone on the phone, but you can see she looked at a lot of data. Mm. (laughs) I did my own research. Uh, Yeah, but not today on Facebook, right? No. The, The group decided to circulate the letter to empower people to have kind, civil conversation. The document flies in the face of recommendations from the American Academy of Pediatrics, as well as the CDC, whose positions stress the need to account for more dangerous strains of the virus and protect people too young to receive vaccinations, which are still right now only authorized for those 12 and older. As a nonprofit, Independent Women's Forum is exempt, of course, from disclosing its donors and from paying federal income taxes. I hang out with Ron Johnson. But the group, which reported a revenue of nearly $3.8 million in 2019, has drawn financial and institutional support from organizations endowed by billionaire industrialist Charles Koch and his late brother David, according to private promotional materials, as well as tax records and other public statements. Tributes to sponsors prepared for recent galas and reviewed by The Post recognize the Charles Koch Institute as a major benefactor. Other backers include Facebook. Hmm. Uh, Dick DeVos, 
heir to the Amway fortune and husband of former education secretary Betsy DeVos. That makes makes him Eric Prince's brother-in-law and the Walton Family Foundation, a philanthropy controlled by the family that founded Walmart. So, you know, they're on the up and up. Oh, yeah. All of them. It also makes sense that Betsy married a dick because she's kind of an (laughs) asshole. Betsy and Dick DeVos. Betsy and Dick DeVos and their yachts. I can't. None of Dalmatians. All right, last story. Finally, the arrival of a new U.S. ambassador to Mexico is usually a routine event, but for the Biden administration, it was a notable victory. With the Senate's August 11th confirmation vote, former Senator Ken Salazar of Colorado became the first Biden ambassador to arrive in a foreign capital, and as of now, the last. A bitter fight with Cruz, Republican of Texas, (laughs) over a Russian gas pipeline has created what Biden officials call a personal crisis, with Mr. Cruz delaying dozens of State Department nominees, including 59 would-be ambassadors and vowing to block dozens more because he's an asshole. Mm. Democrats call Mr. Cruz's actions an abuse of the nomination process and the latest example of Washington's eroding political norms. They also say he's endangering national security at a time when only about a quarter of key national security positions have been filled. Uh, The last administration didn't fill them because they're incompetent. We're actually trying to do it. Now, while Mr. Cruz cannot entirely block Biden's State Department nominees, he's greatly slowed the process by objecting to the Senate's traditional practice of confirming uncontroversial nominees by unanimous consent. His tactic means that each nominee requires hours of Senate floor time, while other major priorities, including Biden's domestic spending agenda, they compete for that attention. He's doing this Very much on purpose. Only a dozen of Biden's State Department nominees have been cleared for full Senate vote by the committee. In part, Democrats say because Republicans on the committee are doing their own foot dragging. Dozens more are expected to be ready for confirmation very soon. Even by standards of a Senate, where political grandstanding is the norm, Democrats say that Cruz is blatantly exposing his 2024 presidential ambitions by picking a long-running battle with Biden. And I'll tell you right now, If he thinks that he has any chance of getting the nomination, if the former guy says he's running, he is sorely mistaken. I cannot (laughs) believe these idiots stuck their horse to this wagon for so long. And now they're, oh, he he might have presidential promise. Get get the fuck out of here. (laughs) I can't. Uh, Yeah, I Trump could be in prison. But, you know, but he can run. He can run for president from prison and then pardon himself if oh he wins. Goodness. So, well, he can try. Uh, I would I would challenge that as a corrupt pardon in the courts. But, you know, with the fucking Gilead six sitting on the Supreme Court, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? Seriously. Uh, all right. We are desperate need of some good news. So we'll be right back with that. Everybody stick around. Hey, everybody. Thanks for supporting the beans. This portion of the show is sponsored by Upstart. If you're carrying a credit card balance month after month, making the minimum payments, it can feel like you're trapped in a cycle of debt and no end in sight. And a lot of us lived on our credit cards over the past year and a half. So I understand, you know, myself included, I don't want to look at that statement. But Upstart can help you make that final payment so you can get ahead. With Upstart, you can pay off your existing debt quickly and easily and start living your life again. Upstart is a fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Whether you're paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt or funding personal expenses, Over a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed low monthly payment with a clear payoff date. Rather than just looking at your credit score by itself, Upstart considers other factors like your income, your employment history, and your credit history to find you a smarter rate. 
You can check your rate without impacting your credit score in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000, and you can receive your funds as fast as one business day after your loan is accepted. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments easily and quickly today when you go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. Again, that's a soft pull on your credit for the for the rate check. It doesn't hit your credit. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. And don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information you provide in your loan application. So head to upstart.com slash dailybeans to get started. And longtime listeners of the show will know that I used to have the worst sleep issues and that I love sleeping. I would toss and turn all night. I would wake up exhausted and sore. I thought it was from stress or politics or pandemics. But then I took a two-minute sleep quiz from Helix and realized my mattress was made for someone else. If you want to get the best night's sleep of your life, do what I did. Take the online sleep quiz at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Helix will match your sleep preference and body type with a mattress perfect for you. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. They have mattresses that regulate your body temperature. They have ones great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains. And they even have a Helix Plus for a beautiful plus-size sleepers. My quiz matched me with the Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm mattress and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me. And now you know my sleep preferences too. Uh, I sleep like a log, wake up rested and refreshed. It's amazing. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews and they were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. That's the second year in a row. Helix has been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and sleep medicine doctors as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 sleeps risk-free. They even have financing options and flexible payment plans, so a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. And if you have any corrections or confessions or disputes you want settled in Amy's court, or if you want to send us a Libric or uh, contribute a verse to the MSW Hallelujah Project or play play What the Mutt or Find a Cat, you can do it all by going to what dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Do it. We have special instructions from our showrunner and producer today, and they are telling us, Dana, that you will be kicking us off. I mean, why not? We're doing things different today. So let's do this. First one's from Chris, pronouns she and her, longtime listeners, all the way back to the kitchen days. I thought this might be a timely story to share with your listeners as vaccines get approved for younger and younger age groups. When my son was about two to three years old, he's now 30, I needed to take him to the doctor to get his vaccinations. The nurse asked me to please prepare, explain to my son what was going to happen so he wouldn't scream through the whole appointment. I did the best I could. When the nurse was ready to give him his shot, I asked the nurse not to let him see the needle while I held his face and looked right into his eyes. She gave him the shot. He didn't even say, ouch. We were both in shock. When we got outside the office doors, I told him how well he had done. He looked at me quizzically and said, well, no big deal. I thought I was going to get a shot and I wasn't. I realized then he thought he was going to, oh my God. <gasps> I, he, I realized then he thought he was going to get shot by a gun. Oh my God. I don't know if that's a supposed to, I mean, it's, I'm, it is funny, but at the same time, the world we live in, I'm like, is this a funny story? <laughs> right. And there's no clarification in the submission, by no, the way. No, <laughs> yeah. And I wouldn't recommend like setting them up to think they're going to get shot with a gun so that it's way easier. That, oh my I God, wouldn't please recommend don't. that at it's all. It's not what we are doing. Holy shit. For pet tags, here's a picture of Mimi and find the cat photo. My husband of 42 years passed away in December. 
Three months before the pandemic started. I'm so sorry, Chris. My son and his wife felt I needed a pet. I had never had a pet in my life and was not sure about taking one on. Their final argument was that they had a kitten that would match my decor in Florida, all white and beige. I shipped a long-haired domestic barn cat from the Amish country in Indiana to Naples, Florida. She arrived with the name Princess. Ugh. <laughs> because I was a listener to your show, I love the name Mimi Ro- Ro- How do you say Mimi's last name? Roca? Yeah, Mimi Roca. You got yeah, it. Yeah, Mimi Roca and all the interviews you had with her. So I named her Mimi. Yay. She can't chase and kill chipmunks here in Florida because the alligators would probably eat her, but she catches two to three geckos a week and then chases them around the house until she kills them. My son loves the fact that I'm almost 70 years old and have a cat that, for short, I call Meme. Meme, <laughs> look at what a beauty. Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Oh my God, the tail coming out of the plant. <laughs> Up in the fern. Oh, okay, that's funny. Good stuff. Thank you for that. All I see in this next one is the hash, like the website just jumped out at me. I can't wait for the story. Please go. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, Mike from Ohio. A correction. You did a great job explaining the highly technical DNS story on Mueller, she wrote, but you got one thing backwards. And I have an explanation I use that I like. It may only make sense to you older listeners. I'm 39. You'll see what I mean. You said that DNS is used to translate IP addresses into a domain name, but it's the other way around. You said this when you went off the cuff and it's possible you didn't know how all this works and just made a mental slip up. You can grab any domains that use a given IP address, but that's a specialized operation and it's not how DNS is normally used. Okay, cool. Thank you. I think of DNS like a phone book. If I want to go to jesusbuttplug.com, my computer has no idea where that is. Oh, does it though? Does it? Does it not? (laughs) Mike? Okay, go ahead. My computer can't make a request for a domain name. It has to make that request for an IP address, so it looks it up. It doesn't have a phone book, so it hits up the domain name service to look up the IP address that belongs to JesusButtPlug.com. That DNS server, it's usually one DNS server, has the final answer on just where JesusButtPlug.com is, can record all requests if they want, and that's how the individuals in the article got a hold of them. Without getting super technical into things that make this much more complex, that's the way I explain it to non-technical people. Once again, I love you and what you do, and I think of you as a rock star. That was Thank great. You. Thank you. Good. All right. Jesus Butt Plug. Oh, this, this next one's for both of us because we have two verses from Marcy's sister. Ah. Yes. Pronouns she and her. Would you like to go first or second? Oh, I'll go first. No, no, no. Okay. You go first because then you have the next one. So you go first and I'll follow up. All right. Here we go. Our founding fathers wrote the laws that try, convict, and jail for cause. But you don't really care for justice, do ya? It goes like this. You cheat, you lie. You sharpie sign a check to buy. The silence of the hottie who last blew ya. Hallelujah. 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 The wheels of justice slowly grind, and jury with a guilty fine could send you to a place that's foreign to you. You'll meet new friends, you'll do just fine. You can dye your hair in a toilet wine, and we'll sing hallelujah. <laughs> I should have given you the second one, because it's a little more challenging. Yep. <laughs> hallelujah. Uh, you can dye your hair in toilet wine. So that's, good. That's great. And disgusting. Big dick toilet wine. Thanks, Marcy's sister. <laughs> All right, next up, anonymous, pronouns she and her. I'm a progressive Democrat who lives in Central Florida. 
I listen every morning when I walk my pups. My hubby and I love your no-nonsense presentation of current events. We moved here because my husband just couldn't live in Texas any longer. And we have family nearby. We moved here right before the piece of shit Death Santis took office. Thank you for saying what I've been thinking all along. It's like you're inside my head. My husband is a nurse, and he's had to labor through this COVID nightmare with awesome courage. I'm happy to say he finally got a big raise from his hospital for all his hard work, and Lord knows he deserves it. I'm so proud of him. We appreciate how you break down important issues and make it more understandable for us regular folk. I'm happy to have a great hubby, two awesome kids, and four fabulous fur babies. Thank you for doing what you do. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. He's half oh off God, the so little cute. step stool. Oh, and you got a tuxie. There, oh. and look at these puppies. Oh, look puppies. at these pups. Oh, they're the same colors, but different ears. So sweet. That's interesting. How adorable. I love it. All right. This next one's from TG. Pronoun she and her initials TG. Hi, I found the Leguminati through a circuitous route. It started behind the bastards and eventually progressed to clean up on aisle 45 and then the Daily Beans. I've been moved and inspired by the stories you've been sharing and specifically by AG and her story as a survivor. That's why you can't read this one, dear. Mm. Losing her job and her refusal to be silenced as far as I've been able to parse together from related media. I don't have a lot of good news to share, but I just wanted to share that I lost my job in 2020 under similar circumstances. I worked in emergency services dispatch with the same organization for 14 years. They loudly touted what an inclusive and safe workplace they ran. So I noticed my coworkers being increasingly openly racist, misogynist, bigoted transphobes. I did what I was told to do by human services and management, and I reported it. For context, it's been getting increasingly bad for two years. To this point, I started to time about how long into my 12-hour day it went before I heard someone use a literal hate speech openly. For over a year, the longest I went was 27 minutes. Male colleagues would openly make, quote, jokes about rape and child abuse, including louding R. Kelly. I kept reporting them every time. Nothing ever changed. Weirdly, that's when I started being bullied and harassed. Long story short, I'm out of a job with no prospects, education or skills, complex PTSD depression, and somatic damage that is now permanent. At least I've managed to start writing a book. I can't thank you all enough for your podcast, Like the Beans. I'm inspired and hopeful when I'm listening and things don't seem so bad. For pet tax, I've included pictures of my bonsai wolves, Thor, who's black white chihuahua of thunder, and Bambi, a deer made small by a wizard. Mm. Look at Look at Thor. Oh, my goodness. And Bambi. A deer made small by a wizard. Oh. TG, I'm holding you so close and tight in my thoughts and sending you love. I'm so sorry that you have experienced all of this and are still, I'm sure, going through a lot of trauma um, surrounding the work environment. Um, I don't know what can be done. AG, you could probably speak more to that in this situation. Um, if if you want, TG, if you if you want to, you can send me information on the organization and I can I can start to to put a, a national lens on them. Uh, I'd be happy to do that. You are a good woman, my friend. That's bullshit. Twenty seven minutes. That's that, it. That's it. That's all you get. That's all the peace and quiet you get in a job that you've been at for that long. Well, I appreciate your bravery writing in. And uh, again, if there's anything you want me to help with, please shoot us an email. Hello at MullerSheWrote.com and uh, I'll see what I can do. 
In the meantime, love these puppers. These babies are so cute Indeed. and sweet. I just like the way our family writes about their pets. I mean, I get it. There are children. I just, it's just sometimes they really catch my heart. Like, like that one, Bambi, who's a deer made small by a wizard. I mean, that's fucking brilliant. And the Thor, the first, the look on his face in the first one. And then, of course, you see all the tiny little hairs on the couch. Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so adorable. Goodness. My goodness. Well, thanks, everybody, for submitting these. Thanks for uh, your corrections on, on, the, on the DNS and um, all your pod pets and your MSW Hallelujah Project stuff. And I just really appreciate it. And this beautiful, fluffy kitty, Mimi. So adorable. I appreciate everyone. I appreciate you all so much. We'll be back tomorrow. Dana, do you have anything that you want to, do you want to end no, with? No, I don't. I don't have anything pr- prophetic to, to say. I just, I just enjoy these days with you all. And I, I love that. I know there's people out there listening and sometimes it feels like it's just you know, the two of us sitting and talking. And then I remember that there's thousands of people with us in our ears. And so I just hope that you've had a good day. The beginning of your week has started off well and that you're taking care of yourselves. Yes. And along that vein, please, everyone, until tomorrow, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.